You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Brosco, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you haven't tried out Built for the Stage yet, go to builtforthestage.com and we'll be on our way with seven days of a free trial working one-on-one together on a fitness app. If you're looking to marry your pursuit of a career in theater with a pursuit in a amazing practice of fitness, I'm your guy. Been at this for 17 years. I'm a unicorn that loves fitness, sports, and other things that have nothing to do with theater while also loving theater at the same time. Um, Hung up my acting chops to help others in this world of fitness. So we'd love to get to know you. Check it out, buildforthestage.com. Special thanks to BPN, Broadway Podcast Network. Check them out at bpn.fm. All right, let's get into it. Special guest recording here on a Friday it's 4 p.m. on the East Coast. Usually around this time, I'm a little tired, I'm a little groggy, whatever, you know, long work day. But I got the juices flowing because I'm excited to speak to our guest. Uh, I can't wait for you to get to meet her. Our guest is originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, where she was brought into this world dramatically on the night that Mike Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear. Can you believe it? If you're listening to this, speaking of things unrelated to theater, and you're like, who's Mike Tyson or who's Vander Holyfield? There was this time in a pro boxing match in 1990. uh, I'll leave it out. In the 90s. In the 90s. I don't know if my guest wants to give away her, her date of birth. Anyways, the 90s. And Mike Tyson is locked up with this other guy, Vander Holyfield, and just decides to bite his ear and literally rips a part of his earlobe off. And yeah, so the fight's over. They rush. I don't know if they rush him, but they take him to the hospital so they can try to, I guess, stitch his ear back on. And while they're stitching his ear back on, a couple of floors up, our guest was being brought into this world. Can you believe it? Not only was our guest brought in this world on such dramatic fashion, but later on they became a Missouri show choir national champion. I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, good. And then some affirmations. Uh, they later on uh, graduated from the Hart School, and now they recently made their Broadway debut in Funny Girl. Please welcome to Built for the Stage podcast, Leslie Blake Walker. Hey! Hi! <laughs> being on the pod what's up oh man thank you so much for having me my go-to fun fact my mike tyson story i'm obsessed (laughs) yeah i was on your website reading the about you section and i was like no way oh yeah my dad was in the waiting room of the hospital while my mom was in like her i don't know like 18th hour of labor he's chain smoking like everybody's stressed out up rolls seven stretch limousines 
and he watches Evander Holyfield walk in with his severed ear. Like, just wa- watches him come in. It's in a little, like, ice cup. He's got his little earpiece in it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, oh. there, maybe there's, like, a play or a musical in that. Like, you have that moment, and then you follow, like, the rest of Evander's maybe life in boxing and, and onward. And then you – the trajectory of your life, like, crisscrossing. And then maybe down the road, like, he sees this girl in a Broadway show and – and they meet at the stage door, and she's like, hey, the night I was born, your ear was bitten off. I love it. Let's get it greenlit. <laughs> I think we can do it. We can make some song, some bangers of songs to that for sure. Oh, absolutely. A nice little boxing and Broadway musical. I'm obsessed. Absolutely. It's already been done with Rocky, and we all know how that went. So hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyways, all right. So, where are you calling from in New York? What Williamsburg. 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 Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. I'm a Brooklyn girl. Uh, <laughs> you always have resided in Brooklyn and in Williamsburg, or have you hopped around the city a bit? Oh, I've been a little bit of everywhere. When I first got to New York, I started off in Inwood, um, then spent a little bit of time in Manhattan Valley. And then for the entirety of this past year, I was in Midtown. And then I only just this week moved to Williamsburg. So I literally just made my way down. Yeah. You just got there. Okay. Well, hopefully you're getting settled in successfully. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great so far. I love the neighborhood. It's nice and residential and a little quieter than, you know, midtown Manhattan. So I'm enjoying it so far. Right. Speaking of a little bit quieter, how was that transition from growing up in Missouri to coming to New York? Because you're still young. Like you haven't been in New York too, too long, you know? Yeah, I graduated college in 2019. And then I was only here for a little under like eight months. And then the pandemic hit and my family had moved back to Las Vegas. And so I spent the majority of the, you know, height of the pandemic years in Vegas, and then didn't come back to New York until August of 2021. And so all of my time in New York has been very scattered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was definitely a transition, especially coming from you know suburbia of Missouri and then going to Hartford, Connecticut for college, which was also different. And then I would spend weekends going on the Metro North to come into the city for like auditions and stuff every once in a while. But living here is so vastly different. I'm used to having a car. I'm used to like being in control of where I am at every single point in the day, you know, and New York, like it happens to you, not with you. But I I do love it here. I I think the the people are incredible. And I think they're some of the most like helpful, nicest, you know, everybody think everybody in New York is mean and everything is like, no, I think they're some of the most, you know, resourceful people in this country. Um, Yeah, I I do love it. I've come to love it. I would agree. They're they're pretty hard people, but they also relate to the struggle. So if they see mm-hmm. a fellow New Yorker in that struggle, they can relate. And usually they're pretty nice about it for sure. I'll agree. Yeah. I've never been to Vegas. Are you close to the Strip or where are you? Um, I grew up mainly in North Las Vegas. Um, and my dad is a craps dealer um, at one of the... Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Oh yeah, my mom was a showgirl. She danced for Siegfried and Roy and did a bunch of the magic acts out here. And my dad was an actor for a while, and then he, you know, still works in the casino industry. 
Um, and that's up in um, Red Rock, Summerlin area and everything. And so I've bopped around Vegas a lot. I don't if you've never been there, but it's it's a basin and it's all so vastly spread out. Yeah. Um, so everything's super condensed in the middle with, you know, downtown Vegas and the strip and everything. But then it all becomes more residential the further out in the basin you get. Um, so I, I grew up in a little like suburb of Vegas, but it was Vegas proper. So. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you graduate from the heart school and then what happens? The red carpets rolled out and you get cast on the Broadway show or what happened? <laughs> Not exactly. I went and did Connecticut repertory theater as a summer stock, um, right after I graduated. And then when I got to New York, you know, I started auditioning like everybody else. And the first sort of big thing that I booked, um, was I did Cinderella at paper mill. Um, and then that was literally the last thing I did before shut down. So I do paper mill world shuts down. I'm in Vegas for a couple of years. And then I come back to New York and funny girl was my second audition back. And I booked that a month after I got back into New York. So it was this massive gap. And then boom, suddenly all my dreams are coming true. It was crazy. How about during the summer in in school where you did summer stock and, and things of that matter? Yeah. So I, in Missouri, I grew up doing summer stock at the Arrow Rock Lyceum Theater, which is this teeny tiny little equity regional theater, um, a little outside of Kansas City. And I did nine seasons there. So that went into college. I stopped working there after my sophomore year. And then I worked um, at the Surflight Theater in Beach Haven, New Jersey, on the beach, did a whole summer there. And then um, after I graduated, I did Connecticut Repertory Theater, which was so much fun getting to work with, you know, Terry Mann and Kristen Waz and all them. Like, they were fantastic. Gotcha. And do you get an agent or your equity card or anything during college? Or I'm trying to lay this out for our, our listeners, especially younger ones, like, what was your journey making it on when you got the funny girl audition and all that? Did you have representation and da 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 da? Yeah, absolutely. So I got my agents through my college showcase, which was I was so incredibly fortunate to get them through them. And I've been with them ever since. And so I've I, I stayed with them through the pandemic and everything. I'm, I love my agents. I'm with CESD. And I pretty much all of my auditions now come through them. I don't do a whole lot of um, ECCs and EPAs and stuff. And so I, the second I heard of the funny girl breakdown being sent out, you know, we subscribe to those little Broadway world emails that come in your inbox at the end of every day saying, let's put up. Second, I saw it go up and I saw the description of what they were looking for and that they needed somebody tall who could sing, kick their face and tap. I was like, that's me. So I emailed them right away and I was like, you, you've got to get me in the room for this. And they responded back, we're, 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 we're 10 steps ahead of you already. We're, we're working on it. Um, right. So I got the audition through them and pretty much everything I've, I've gotten since, since graduating, I've gotten through my representation after college. Nice. How tall are you? <clears throat> I'm five, nine. Okay. So in, in your, th- you're like, then you're six foot pace basically in heels. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. You, you I've actually your, thought about your, that. <laughs> yeah, you're like Laduca heel is usually three inches, no? Three inches? Yeah. 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 yeah so you're six footer up there. That's exactly it's, what was on the list. Jolly green giant. Yeah. Uh, get out of town. Get out of town. <laughs> uh, has that ever like has that worked to your advantage in the past with other shows? Or like what's it like as a 
five nine performer. Uh, go with me here as I'm just going in the, I love to like, you are who you are. And sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it works against you. But I find that sometimes when it's working against you, because it does, people try to change who they are. And the times mm-hmm. that it would have worked for you, you're not being yourself. So you're screwed there too. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about that, not to make this about your height, but whatever, we'll see where it goes. No, absolutely. I mean, I've always considered myself to be that stereotypical showgirl type, you know, the types of women that work with Susan Stroman, you know, they do the producers, they do all those shows where you're expected to be tall and, you know, lean and in heels and with that nice bevel, you know, that's always the world in which I've seen myself fitting in. And so while I would have loved to, you know, be able to go in and be a little more successful at shows where they need people to be a little bit lower to the ground. You know, I find a lot of shows that are about like adolescence where they're doing a little more hip hop and stuff like things like Mean Girls and The Prom, like they want them to be down and into the ground. Like I challenge myself stylistically with class and stuff like that. But the reality is like, I'm probably not going to get hired for those things because I'm more the height of who they would cast to play like the adults in those productions. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, there are all these shows and all these things that I'll get to do that actresses that are, do fit in that world, they don't fit into mine. And so everybody has a pocket in the performing arts industry that they can thrive in and work in. And that's not to say that I don't think we should push the envelope in casting. Yeah. Um, Cause there are, you know, so many women who don't make the minimum of like five, seven who also would do what I do so beautifully. Right. Um, but you, you work with what you've got. And I it's a good thing that I am really passionate about the type of work I get because of my type, especially since like I have the relationship with my mother who was a showgirl and that was the world that she lived in. And so I have these like photos of me in the Ziegfeld costume from Funny Girl next to the photos of her and her big feather head dresses and, and all that when she was in Vegas. And I'm like, that's really cool that yeah. I get to essentially, you know, continue the legacy. And so I've never felt some people feel inhibited by the type that their physicality automatically puts them into. I'm more excited about it because that is what I like doing. So it's very fortunate for sure. Did you get, did you have a choice growing up? Meaning did your parents just like shove you into dance class? Like you're doing this or did they, and you liked it anyways, or like, what was that like growing up in a household of performers? I apparently like begged to be in dance. I mean, I grew up around dancers. All of my mom's friends were the dancers that she worked with. And like my godmother, who I'm named after Leslie Truby, was sat next to my mother in the dressing room at Siegfried and Roy. Like, so I grew up around dancers. Um, But I didn't really start to, to want to do that until my mom showed me the 1998 recording of Cats. And I became obsessed with it. I would watch it over and over again. I learned all the choreography with dancing in front of the TV when I was like four years old. And my parents said that they knew that they had to put me into dance class and that they were in trouble with me was that I wasn't mirroring the movement. So for example, when they were on their right foot, when, when you're a kid, you would look at that and you'd be on your left foot because you would mirror them. I was reversing it in my head, which is not something a normal (laughs) four-year-old does when they're watching movement on TV. And they were like, okay, she has the natural knack to dance. She obviously wants to dance. So let's put her in dance. Um, And then ever since then, it's 
all I've ever wanted to do. I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was one of those people that I've just never wanted to do anything else. It's been my, that's been my trajectory since I was a little kid. Yeah. Okay. So you never wanted to do anything else and here you are, you're doing it. What's it like? Is it what you thought? Is it not? Is it a little bit of everything? What's that been like? It has been definitely overwhelming in every sense of that word in all of the good feelings and all of the sometimes maybe not so good feelings or unexpected feelings. It's just been everything. Um, what I love about our company specifically at Funny Girl is we have a really lovely balance between people who this is their 10th Broadway show and they've been around the block a few times. And anytime you have a question, you know exactly who to go to. And then also a nice, healthy dosing of Broadway debuts and people who are just breaking into the industry with the show. So there's somebody to relate with and ask questions to and and talk to no matter what experience you're having. There are so many times where I've gone to like the older company members have been like, is this normal? And they've been like, oh yeah, that's how it is. Or they're like, nope, that's not how this usually is. And so I learned so much from the people around me. It's, it's definitely been, I think, different circumstantially because we came straight out of a Broadway shutdown and we were the first brand new revival to come out of the pandemic, to go straight into a proper rehearsal period, to cast during this time, to open, to previews, to do all of that. And there was a lot of you know struggles that came with that for sure. Um, and so I understand that everything that I've gone through in this process has been unprecedented in every way, shape and form. Um, and that's been very exciting, honestly. I'm like, I'm never going to have another experience like this ever again. Even if I do get into, you know, hopefully another Broadway show in the future, it will never be like this one because everything about it was so special and nobody knew what was going to happen, especially, you know, things like COVID and, and just everything that's come with this time. And so it's been everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Do you know off the top of your head how many other debuts are in your cast? I want to say in the cast, there were 12, somewhere around that number. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder, yeah, just like when you're casting that, if it was just coincidence or what? That's a lot, 12, 12 people. It is a lot. Anyways, uh, the, tap, the tapping, speaking of tapping that you mentioned, phenomenal. I saw the show when it was cold. I don't know. I had a coat on. I can't remember. Sometime in the earlier stages of, of the, the run. But wow. How, how, how was that process creating those numbers? Was, um, was it pretty much just set or was it pretty collaborative in the room? I mean, Ayadeli Cassell and Anthony Moigerato, I have looked up to since I was a kid. I, I grew up being a pretty big hoofer. Like I was the main tap dancer in my studio growing up. I always competed tap solos. And then when I got into college and everything, like I still tapped, but definitely not to the extent that I was when I was a kid. But I always looked up to them and I would see Anthony's choreography on So You Think You Can Dance. And second I saw their names on the breakdown, I was like, oh my gosh. And Ayadeli's brain I, I don't know how it works, but the way that she just sees and hears this movement, it's ethereal, it's otherworldly. Um, everything that we do on that stage is fully crafted by her. 
And a lot of people ask me that question, especially in regards to Jared Grimes, who, in my opinion, is one of the other goats of tap dance. I mean, that's indisputable. Um, but they ask, they're like, oh, is he just kind of like making things up every night? Is he just kind of, you know, which other choreographers would let him do and it would be fantastic. But no, it was all crafted by Ayadeli, which I think makes it so much more impressive. The fact that you can think that up and then put it on bodies and get it as clean as it is. It, it's one of the coolest experiences of my life getting to work with her. And I learn from doing that dance every single night. It's never perfect there any night. I'm like, all right, we're really going to focus on making all these sounds today. This is what I'm going to focus on today. Like I constantly have to be thinking about it, mm. which you I can't say in every single other dance I've done in my career, you know, you kind of go on autopilot and you're like, Oh, I know how to do this and stuff. It's like, no rat tat tat. I have to fully focus on and think about every single time I do it. It's been an unbelievable challenge that I'm just so thankful for. They're yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's pretty, it can be monotonous and tedious doing eight shows a week, week in and week out. Week, but if you feel like you have a fresh challenge nightly, that's definitely going to keep things a lot more interesting for you up there. So amazing. Uh, love to hear it. Uh, the show itself, were you a fan going into it as far as the material? Uh, yeah, besides being no. a hooker and all that, were you excited to be a part of the show Funny Girl or did it have to grow on you or do you not even like it? We, I mean, we won't tell anyone if that's your answer. We won't tell <laughs> I do like Funny Girl. I love Funny Girl. I never watched the movie growing up, but I did the show in 2016 at Arrow Rock. That was my first introduction to the actual musical. I mean, I knew the songs from, honestly, from watching Glee, from watching Lee and Michelle do Don't Rain on My Parade on Glee. That was my first introduction to it. But then I got to do it um, back after my freshman year of college. And I loved it then. I, I, I think even back then there were rumors of a revival coming, you know, in all the many iterations that sort of never made it to Broadway before ours. Um, so I, I have always liked the show and I have always had it in the back of my mind of, oh, the second that revival pops up, like I've got to, I've got to be in that. Yeah. Um, and then with this rendition of the show, we had, you know, the incredible legend Harvey Weierstein rewrite parts of our book. Um, and I think he did an exquisite job. He made so many things tighter. They make more sense. The thread of this being a memory play you know, and kind of bringing in Follies-esque type ghosts to remind you that this is all in Fanny's memory and imagination. I think it's really beautiful um, yeah. what our team has done with it. I think it's a successful telling of this story. And I do like it. I love it. I love doing the show every night. Nice. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Genuinely. Because sometimes it's not always the case. Uh, let's circle back to... The silly talk of like the Las Vegas Mike Tyson thing and the growing up in, in Vegas and the and the show choir thing in Missouri. Who's <laughs> Leslie off of the, the stage or out of the rehearsal room or out of dance class? Do we find you in Williamsburg like uh, sipping a cortada and a fresh baguette? Like what, what do you do outside of theater? Oh, man. I really... I just love being with my people. I'm always down for, you know, grabbing a couple friends and going for a walk, grabbing a coffee, going through the park, doing things outside. 
Um, especially when I was living back in Vegas, you found me at the pool literally every single day with like a frozen drink in my hand. You know, I love chilling and relaxing and being in the sunshine, especially being from the desert. You know, that's one of the best parts of being in Las Vegas is that you're just surrounded by vitamin D all the time. So anytime I can be outside, I am. Um, I'm also a little bit of a nerd during the pandemic. I got super into Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) It's I I fully recommend it to all actors or creatives in general who need a different outlet or something to feel like their creative juices need to be refreshed a little bit. Having to fully create from scratch like a character and it could be anything like a goblin, an elf, a wizard and come up with a backstory for them. And then have someone lead you through this adventure. It's the ultimate form of escapism. And I am obsessed with it. I would sit on Zoom with my friends for like six hours at a time during the pandemic. And we would just go through these adventures. And I would just fight the bad guys and, you know, try to find the thing. And I I love it. I think it's so much fun. And it it was the perfect way to forget about things a little for a while, but then also feel like I was still furthering forward my storytelling abilities, you know, because that's the entirety of what that game is. It's it's improving and telling a story and creating a character. And so I love, I love that. That's definitely probably one of the most unexpected things about me. Like when people meet me, they don't, they don't expect that I'm going to say like, I'm super into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I think there's like a, interactive audience improv play there you know a Dungeons and Dragons show where like each night the the show's a little different because the audience gets to choose xyz what do you think is there something oh, there that, a choose your own adventure D&D show that would be so awesome and you know dice are a huge part of Dungeons and Dragons it'd be really cool if the audience had dice that controlled everything. Oh, that that would be awesome. I'll start writing that. That sounds if, fierce. What if you just had like one huge uh, die on one side and on one on the other of stage left, stage right, and then at random parts of the show, they would just like roll onto the stage, and however they landed, that decided the future of the show. I'm obsessed. Let's make it happen. I'll st- I'll I'll paper mache those dice. That sounds fun. <laughs> okay, well, while you're backstage during other parts of the show that you're not in, that's your assignment is to start writing up Dungeons and Dragons, the new, the newest Broadway play coming in 2023 uh, next summer. I can make this happen. It, it will have uh, tomfoolery. It will have a tap number. It will be absolutely ridiculous. I'm excited. <laughs> Okay, I can't wait. All right, so we'll wrap up with two more questions. So besides the Dungeons and Dragons, you're new to New York-ish. What's a favorite like New York thing that you like to do? A place to go in New York, a restaurant, a rooftop, a park, uh, yada, yada. I'm going to mention this and all of my friends listening back on this are going to laugh at me. My favorite place in New York City is the Taco Boat. The taco boat. Tell me more. I don't know about this thing. The taco boat. It's off of Pier 81. It is a floating Mexican restaurant. And you just sail down the Hudson eating tacos 
drinking margaritas. It is the best time ever. I'm obsessed with it. I love the taco boat. So how does the taco boat, is there like designated times where it'll like return and deport and port and you know, how does that work? Yeah. It sails like every two hours. It's a two hour cruise and you go on and you like purchase a time to go on and then you just go and you get seated like, you know, any other restaurant except you're on a boat. Um, last time I was on it with a bunch of my performer friends, they were like playing a bunch of music and everything. And my friend stands up, he does like a little shimmy and the rest of the boat goes wild. So he grabs my hand, pulls me up and we start doing a samba in the middle of the taco boat. The bartender (laughs) gave us a free round of shots. So. Hey, there you go. There you go. can't take these performers anywhere. They're just always making a, a, a scene. And we're always doing it for the free stuff. You know, <laughs> I have I, uh, <laughs> uh, Elise Needery that does our yoga flow program for Bill for the Stage. When I first met her on her uh, bio and her Instagram, it said something like riding bikes and trying free samples. And I thought that was so funny that she would mention like her love for free samples. We, we love the free gift with purchase. It's, it's one of the best things about being here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Leslie, I appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate your time. Um, yeah, you're lovely and you're awesome up there. Uh, congrats with funny girl. What's next? Do you think you're going to ride it out? What are you going to do? What, what's, uh, what's happening with you? Are you going to depart from the show? Are you staying or are you leaving? What's going to happen? I'm staying. I'll stay for as long as they'll have me. I mean, everything with our show right now is pretty up in the air. We have this casting change that's about to happen. Leah and Tova open the show on the 6th, which is very exciting. Um, We don't know where it's going. I mean, I, I love being with this company. I love being with the show. So I'll be with it for, you know, as long as it feels correct. And, you know, my contract's for a year. So hopefully we make it to that. And I want people to come see us and support us and, and keep us running for a long time because I, w- I would love, love to stay with it. Awesome. Well, we're rooting for you. Uh, you heard it from Leslie there. If you're in the New York area, go see Funny Girl. And please follow Leslie at Leslie Blake Walker on the Instagram. You can find that in the description of this episode as well as her website where you can read more about the mike tyson story leslie thanks so much for being on built for the stage podcast thank you this was so fun all right everyone thanks for listening in again that was leslie blake walker i'm joe roscoe founder of built for the stage if you want to try that free trial go to builtforthestage.com actors are athletes so start training like one later wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.